Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock. All month long, you know that we're talking about mental health, mindfulness, uh, taking care of ourselves up in the old noggins during all of the month of May. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's also perfectly timed as we start to, you know, actually get out in the world again and remove ourselves from this pandemic. It's a great time for us all to take a little step back and reflect on how we're all doing. And my guest today is going to talk about a number of things, but her background is really well suited to something that I know that we've all dealt with at some point in time. And that's that little green monster called jealousy, but she's much more than that. So Dr. Jolie Hamilton is a research psychologist. She's a best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker, something I haven't done yet. So I won't say I'm jealous of that. And an ASECT certified sexuality doctor and professor of human sexuality. She holds her doctor in depth uh, in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute, where she studied, get this, the impact of jealousy on relationships. So we know that that can have some negative correlations. Uh, maybe when you understand it, maybe you can figure out how to turn it in the right way. And over the past two decades, she started dozens of business ventures, ranging from clothing design to personal training. And she's also provided birth and lactation doula services, all while, get this, managing her own relationships, pursuing her graduate degrees, and raising and homeschooling seven children. She makes me feel like I am a little lazy, but I'm not going to hold back from that. Jolie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Michael. You know, I I love that jealousy entered the room right away. We could just like sneak it in. So if, because once we see that monster, we can do something with him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I have, a, I have a good friend of mine who um, throughout the years, you know, watching her on Facebook, every once in a while, she'll say, I have to say, you know, my little green eyed friend, you know, kind of in quotations is visiting me again. And, and, you know, she'll say things like, you know, gosh, I know that you guys, I'm glad all my friends are going on vacations, but I can't do it right now. And my kids are in school. So I just want to know, like you to know, if I don't like something, it doesn't mean I don't like it. And I've always been really impressed with her honesty with that because dealing with jealousy is is something we all do, no matter how we want to deny it. Um, so I think it's in forefront. But I gave just a little intro to you. In your own words, tell us a little bit more about you and your practice specifically and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I love to tell people what I do because it's a little unusual. Um, what I do is I coach women and those brave guys as well, who want to um, dig in deep and find out what their actual potential is to show up fully in their relationships. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people are super high performing in their entrepreneurial ventures or in their, you know, high achieving careers, but they, they make these withdrawals (laughs) from their relationship bank in order to make Mm -hmm. bank. (laughs) And that is where I can step in, join the conversation and help people 
to untangle their childhood nonsense that we all have back there and mm -hmm. the habits that we've developed of it's it's so shocking how often this happens the habits we've developed of not transferring our skills from the boardroom to home from mm -hmm. our you know great ability to persuade and convince and close a sale to making our conversations at home actually work for everybody you know to be that that creative force so many people that I work with are tangled up and they're not bringing their best self to their home life, or they simply know that there's something more. Maybe their life is working well, but they have this inkling. They get this little, this little niggling feeling in the back of their mind that mm -hmm. there's a even better available. You know, they're used to high achieving and they know that there's something better, but they keep playing out the same old relationship stuff they've had. And mm -hmm. so yeah, we dig in and we start with a process. I take people through a six-step process, one-on-one um, -on -one or with their couple or even people who are in polycules, people who are in polyamorous relationships and have more than two people in their mm -hmm. relationship structure. And what we do is work through a process that lets us assess where we're at, actually observe the behavior that's going on, dig into the hidden psychological stuff that's running the show, I take the unconscious very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the patterns that we want to change and the ones we want to leave alone because mm -hmm. so often people try to change the whole thing all at once. Right. I take a more uh, moderate ap approach. We pick the things that really need to change right now. And we can make an action plan for how we're going to change those one to three things. Because usually once you leverage that little bit up, the whole relationship can start taking a new form. And really what happens is I wind up working with people on problems related to, you know, those, those old, lovely old nuggets, like father problems, mother problems, mm -hmm. um, dealing with jealousy, dealing with, um, unexpressed anger mm -hmm. there. These are common problems. People know they have them. And I, I look at them through the lens of relationship. In other words, your relationship is a mirror of what's going on inside of you. I think of relationships as our, our individuation accelerator. We have an mm. opportunity to use them to become more ourselves. And that is how we can have that 1% relationship. We can have the relationship that other people look over at us and, and not from that Instagram place, not from that, like, right. oh, they're going all the places they're doing all the things, not that. Nope. That relationship that your neighbors look over and go, damn, they are, they are so in it together. And it's yeah. because they're in it for each other. That's where yeah. I try to get people. So that, that's my jam. That's what we do. I love that. It's it, as you were talking, I was just flashing back through various relationships in my life. And my husband and I always laugh today because we, we know that we have a lot of banter. This is the best relationship of my own, my whole entire life. And we have worked on it. Um, and I finally, you know, myself dealt with old stuff and, you know, and learning to communicate, you know, like you said, I mean, I've always been a great communicator and teacher and I could motivate a room of a thousand people like nobody's business. But once I walked home, you know, those personal relationships were not as strong for me. And now my husband and I, it's, it's so funny because you know, we'll, we'll just banter with each other and we'll give each other crap. And we're just, we're having fun. And sometimes people are like, what are they doing? Are they okay? And then they realize that we're just laughing at the end of it, yes. you know, that we don't, you know, we don't 
we, I'm not saying we don't fight because we've had arguments, but we don't fight. We've had arguments and it's really different to look back and see the evolution. And I wish I would have done it, you know, earlier in my life because it would save a lot of stress. But sometimes you just have to learn because you, you either go through it or you finally say, I've had enough of repeating these relationship issues that are not serving me. That's it. It's an opportunity to finally, at whatever point, it takes this one moment and it mm -hmm. might happen in your twenties. It might happen in your fifties. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when it happens, but there is a moment when you realize, oh, my relationships depend on who I am in them. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be times when the best decision is to move on. That is real. You know, some relationships serve their purpose and you move on from them, but even if that's the case, that work you do in between relationships where you're looking at yourself and you're saying, how, what was the common denominator in these things? You know, for instance, I often will, will meet with people who have the same problem. I did a, a buried, a deeply buried father complex that I kept thinking I had dealt with. And it mm. wasn't until I was in my late thirties that I realized, oh no, I kept dealing with my father, my actual father who lived in the world. That's not the same thing. What I needed to deal with was the internal father, the one who lived in me, the voice who had nothing to do with this real guy in the world. It was entirely about me. And once I learned the tools to look at that, and what I do is I take an archetypal per, um, perspective. That's how I trained. I trained in Jungian and archetypal psychology. So take an archetypal, a collective perspective. What does father mean? What does mother mean? And how do I relate to those concepts? so that I can have the relationship I want. I hear you saying that you have that bantery, witty, like you go back and forth and you hold each other up through mm -hmm. that. You're actually yeah. calling each other out. Mm -hmm. That works great as long as you're doing it consciously, right? Like you both know that that's what you're doing. You've set up boundaries and parameters. And I'm guessing you even have some clear tells um, so that you know when you've gone just a little too close to the edge and it's time yeah. to reel it back in. So I teach people skills like that. Like, how do we, how do we, how do we safe word out, out of mm -hmm. those pointless ways that we <laughs> poked each other, right? It's yes. not just for the bedroom. Sometimes we need to put these tools to work so that we can come back together because that's what yes. we want. That's why we're in the relationship. So, yeah. When, uh, one thing that, um, you know, cause when we, when I, when I think back about my relationships, I almost went, you know, when I'd have one, that was one kind of relationship, the next one I wanted completely different. Yes. And then the ne next one, completely different. And finally, when I met my now husband, I was like, oh my God, this is truly my best friend. Like yeah. this is the relationship I always wanted. And I never knew I could have, cause I was trying so hard to have the opposite of whatever the last one was. Boom. And <laughs> And That's wow, brilliant. right. Yeah. Um, but one thing also that, um, that we practice, you tell, talk about the safe word. We joke about it being pickle. I don't know why. Yeah. Cause it's like pickle, Hey, pickle, you're going, I always far. tell people to choose a funny word. Yes. Cause it makes you laugh. Yes. I don't know. Somehow I subconsciously, you know, knew these things from you, Good but, job. um, when my son was um, very little and his dad and I were going through a very tumultuous divorce and my son and I were having a lot of conflict and um, I remember at one point in time, you know, he was mad. I was mad. You know, we just were, you know, kind of yelling at each other, which is not something I do. But I remember this one moment and I came in and I said, honey, I'm sorry. And I said, I, I just would like to ask if we could have a do-over. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, 
well, what's that mean, mom? And I said, I don't know, but it just seems like, like, you know, you're mad, I'm mad, and we're just making each other more mad. But if we maybe just started over, we just like said, this fight is over. Let's pretend it's done. We ask for a do-over. We just say it's done. And that became kind of our, um, our communication tactic with my son and I. And I remember when I told my husband that, you know, one day, um, you know, in our relationship, and, you know, I don't know, a month or two later, we had an argument and I was, you know, like, I'm right. And I know I'm right. And he's like, I know I'm right. And I, and he came back to me and said, could we have a do-over? Yeah. And I went, oh, because to me, that always meant wipe the slate clean. It's all done. Whatever yeah. that issue was. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to resurface at another point in time. You may have to handle it if it's an ongoing issue. But man, that was, it was so freeing to be able to say that. Yeah. And sometimes we are really acting out. We're not being mindful. We're not actually mm -hmm. being ourselves. We've, we've caught ourselves in something much larger. Um, you know, in Jungian psychology, we call that a complex. The complex lives by itself. It is autonomous. It is, it has its own life. So if, if we're fighting from those places, it's not even, it's not our, it's not our heart. It's not even right. our mind. It's this unconscious junk just screaming at each other. You're in a Dr. Seuss book at that point. You're, you know, the North going Zacks and the South going Zacks and yeah. you can't get anywhere. So what you're saying is, you know what? Let's actually be ourselves again. Yeah. Let's, let's come back to, we know we want this relationship to work. And those sticky fights are the most normal thing in the world. You know, the, the eminent researchers, um, John and Julie Gottman, they talk about, about how people have the same fight and it's not that you're fighting over the same details. Right. You have the same fighting pattern that you'll act out over and over again. So just yeah. becoming aware of it can free you from, oh, you know what? We don't actually have to choose that. That's yeah. the, that's a pattern. That's just a stuck spot. So let's acknowledge it. Let's see it. And then let's move on. Let's, let's find another thing to do right now because sometimes we, the argument's just done. Yeah. And you're so right about the Zacks. Um, I love that <laughs> book because you know, you're right. You get to those points and you're like, but I'm going this way and you're going this way. And when you're there, it is so hard when you're trying to shore up your defenses yeah. to say, okay, wait a minute. Is this, I mean, if I take one, one step, step to the left and you take one step to the right, we have uh, no problems here. <laughs> We have no problems. Well, actually, I guess we both need to take one step to the left. Otherwise, I suppose that would take be funny. One to the right, yeah. one to the left. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably back in the same spot, but you know what yeah, I mean. Totally, totally. It's all, and there's the thing. I often work with people who are who have partners who are resistant to going to traditional therapy. And so I take a mm -hmm. coaching approach where we collaboratively create your plan for where you want to get to. And that has nothing to do with your partner. Your partner may right. want to be involved in the work and when they do great, but up until then, it's all about turning back to yourself and saying, how am I showing up? Because if you can deal with that, whether you stay or you go is a far less critical question than am I still growing? Am I still yeah. developing? Am I becoming the most me I can possibly be? Because if I am, then this relationship is serving a purpose even if it's uncomfortable, but if I'm not, if I'm boxing myself up, if I'm avoiding my real stuff, if I am stuck because I'm so defended and I'm so mm -hmm. convinced that my partner needs to change, well, there's nowhere for that to go. So usually what happens is one person's ready to change first. Okay, cool. Let it be you. Yeah. Let it be you. And cause that change, it's not about changing your personality. 
it's just about changing your mindset and saying, I'm going to take responsibility for me and I'm going to start drawing boundaries around things that are actually your responsibility. And I'm going to stop picking that up. I'm going to stop trying to take partner, like take responsibility for your feelings, your life and start showing up for myself fully. And that is enough to shift the dynamic of a relationship. People get so caught in that pointing fingers at each other that they miss the fact that they have control over themselves. And we know this in business. We don't expect somebody else to fix our business problems. We know that we have to get in there and do something differently. If the profit margin isn't what we want, we got to change it. If our audience isn't who we want, we built that audience. We better change it. Right. It's the same thing. We built the relationship we're in. Alter the thing we can. You know, um, my grandmother, uh, God rest her soul. She was a feisty woman. She outlived, she married and outlived three husbands. Wow. And had she not gotten sick, she would have found a fourth one and outlived him too. She just was, you know, she was just full of life. And of course I remember her as, you know, this angel, you know, you forget all the things that weren't perfect, but I remember she said to me, um, that relationships that you have to realize that in your relationship, that about every seven years. And she said, you might call it a seven year itch, but it, you know, I don't think that's it, but about every seven years you change. And she goes, I don't mean you change as a couple, you change as individuals, but you don't just change every seven years at this exact same time, but it's about every seven years where you look back and you go, wow, I'm a lot different than I was seven years ago. And she said, my advice to you. And of course this was with my first marriage, which didn't, uh, didn't, you know, really work out, but I, I really pay attention to it now. Um, but she said, you have to look at each other and say, Hey, I see you. I see that you've changed and I like who you are and I accept, and I choose you again. Now, what do you think about me? <laughs> you know, yeah, and totally. that when we choose each other, when we're very conscious of, you know, con- continuing to make that choice, then we get out of our own head and we recognize the other person, which should help us to recognize ourselves. And I've always tried to hold on to that advice because I think it's, it just reminded me about the, the role that we play, especially when we feel like somebody else is causing us distress or pain or, or anger or hurt. Absolutely. And I, I follow that same thing. And the, I, the seven year, right down to the seven years, seven years is the cycle I think in. And so my husband and I actually have, we have an every three year re-upping policy where we take the opportunity to say, are you in or are you out? And it's not like, it's not a flippant discussion. It's a month long opportunity to reflect on how we've changed. And we chose three years because we knew we wouldn't be in those same cycles, especially because there's a nine year age gap between us. So Mm -hmm. we're just at different points in our life journey. So it allows us a chance to really reflect and update our relationship agreements, get explicit with each other. It's not easy, but your grandmother was really onto something. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really, that's really insightful to do that kind of inventory, you know, and have a point in time. It's kind of like how we have a financial discussion every three months, you know, we do business financials every month, you know, there's certain things that aren't easy in the beginning, but once you do it, you start to incorporate that. And I think that's really fantastic. Uh, Gosh, we could keep talking. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor (laughs) and uh, we will be right back. Top Dog Learning Group, LLC, is a leadership change management and diversity inclusion consulting firm based in Orlando, Florida, but with top doggers, aka consultants throughout North America and beyond. They focus on training programs, both virtual and face-to-face, keynotes and lunch and learns, group and one-on-one coaching, and off-the-shelf solutions. 
One such solution is their masterclass on the top three strategies to be resilient in times of change. This thoughtful self-paced online training will guide you through three tactics you can use immediately, not just to survive, but to thrive when change comes at you. Use the code RESIL50OFF for 50% off the program. Just go to bit.ly forward slash 3A5MLS6 and enter the code RESIL50OFF in all capitals to redeem your 50% off coupon. The link and code will be available in our show notes as well for easy access. Learn more today at topdoglearning.learningworlds.com. And we are back with Dr. Jolie Hamilton. And um, I love so many of the things that you're talking about. I do want to dive a little bit more into jealousy um, because I know you've spent so much time studying this lately. And and you know, jealousy is one of those elements of us that really can harm us. And we know it from, you know, our Instagram perfect worthy society to, you know, fear of missing out to even fear of not having the the vaccine to be able to go out and do things again and starting to see people live their lives and you maybe aren't at the same spot. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you've learned about jealousy and for people listening to really start to to anticipate how this can be something that is truly very harmful to our mental health and well-being. Yeah. So I look at jealousy and the first thing I do is I notice that jealousy and envy are super tightly related mm-hmm. and yet distinct from each other. But the thing I do is I say, well, I did research on jealousy specifically, but afterwards I did follow-up research on how do we work with the jealousy? What do we do with it? And it turned out envy is tied into our systems in almost the same way. The only big difference is jealousy is this injury to our relating, right? Jealousy is about three people and envy is about two people. It's about wanting what someone has or wanting to be them. Or So jealousy is a relational injury and envy is an injury to self because we're actually wishing that we were someone else which the self interprets as capital S self interprets as, ouch, you don't love me. We're not like, we're not in alignment. These are both very serious things. And I was really nervous for a while when I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't know whether they need the same medicine, but it turns out they can be very effectively worked with the same way. Um, The big deal about jealousy and envy is that we've got to notice it first but they're Mm -hmm. not simple emotions. Neither jealousy nor envy is a simple emotion. You know, when we think of simple emotions, we're thinking of um, anger or joy. Like they, they are of themselves. They're sort of the basic constituents, the atoms of, of real, of our emotions, but things like jealousy are made up of anger and sadness and grief and loneliness and fear. We can't say the fear piece is huge because we're afraid we either will lose something or won't have something. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it gets tied to shame. And this is a bit of a leap for some people. They don't see it right at first, but when we're little, we're told to share, we're told to be nice. We're told to not like have our, st- you know, we're supposed to share everything and even yeah. our parents' attention, right? Siblings coming along and we have to share. And that's a great thing to teach your children. We want to teach pro-social behavior, but often a little seed of shame around when we feel jealousy just sort of takes root. Um, So we're told to share, the sharing is good, but we might also have a feeling about that. That feeling might be jealousy. The jealousy is a real fear of abandonment. 
Now we're talking about our attachment stuff, right? Is my caregiver going to take care of me? Are they going to be there for me? Mm. Losing the beloved is, it's a non-negotiable for our central nervous system, right? Like we cannot manage that feeling. I say all of that because the most critical and often most difficult step is simply noticing that we're jealous or that we're envious and then looking under the hood. We need to pop it open and say, okay, but that's a, that's a complicated emotion. It's not going to be made of one thing. So let's pop the hood open and let's see what else is going on in there. The inner workings probably contain some rage, some loneliness, some fear, maybe even some arousal excitement that turns mm-hmm. up too. Jeal- I mean, we don't have all that threesome porn for no reason. Jealousy is an interesting part of our arousal systems. So when we pop the hood and we look in there and we see all those emotions. Now, most people have tools to deal with their anger. Most people have tools to deal with their sadness, right? Like we, we've started equipping ourselves with, okay, when I'm angry, what am I going to do? Am I going to go do a hard workout? Am I going to go for a run? Am I going to, am I going to turn to a meditation and actually bring my nervous system back down into a, into a cooling state, right? Mm-hmm. We can act on those, but jealousy, and you can see it really easily. If somebody says you're just jealous, that just, that's, that's oh. the key. Just and you're means, like, what do you mean? I'm just jealous. Exactly. <laughs> just means keep the lid on it. Don't look underneath it. Don't peel back the layer and see, Hey, actually we could work with this sadness. I could state my boundaries. I could state my needs. I could name them. And from there, we could come to an understanding that allows us to start relating again and allows my abandonment fear to dissipate and to not be making me either cling or run away, depending on how we're, we're wired, right? Some people will feel jealous and they'll cling, cling, cling. Some people feel jealous and they isolate. They, they, they pretend they need nothing and no one. And they're an Island now. I'm an Island. I don't, you can't hurt me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so just noticing, noticing and, and naming it so that you don't have to tie it so directly to shame is a huge, you know, because if you're feeling this little bit of shame, then you'll hide it and you'll hide it from yourself. You'll hide it from your partner. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, a, we're not memes. We're people. Right. <laughs> it's not enough to just say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't feel that. Or it's just jealousy. We actually have to allow ourselves to feel it and name it and say, oh, okay. There's some part of me that needs attention right now. Jealousy is a great indicator that we care about something deeply. Yeah, that's so true. That's you a know- gift. It's um, it's amazing as you're talking about it, and people who listen to me frequently will know this story because I I tattle on myself all the time. <laughs> but um, somewhere you know, I took a whole year off from the podcast to try and figure out, you know, what I, what was I using this podcast for, and how was it serving my business, and and so then when we relaunched, kind of a couple months into the pandemic, you know, all of a sudden the the reformat, the new format of what we were doing started to work. And I started getting all these incredible companies sending me incredible guests. Um, not that my guests prior weren't great, but now all of a sudden I had, you know, people making, you know, tens of millions of dollars and, you know, doing all these amazing things. And about six weeks in to interviewing this incredible caliber of people, I got depressed. Mm. And I, one day I was just like, I just like, canceled everything. And I literally walked myself up to my bed and I pulled down the shades and I sat there and I just cried. 
And then I started texting my friend because I was like, I am such a loser. I've been working on this business. We were doing so great before the pandemic. And, you know, so there's this whole list. I'm like, I can't believe these people. And they're so amazing. And I haven't achieved millions of dollars and what's going on. And I'll tell you, first of all, she was, she's one of my truth speakers, you know? So she's one mm. of those people that, you know, she's like, okay, first of all, she'll, you know, listen to you lovingly. Um, and then she'll, you know, remind you of a couple of things. And then she's like, all right, sister, you know, yeah, put, put on your big girl pants and remember how awesome you are. And so by the end of a couple hours of just text message, we were doing voice messages back and forth. All of a sudden I'm like, okay, get up, you know, get up and get, you know, wash your face off and, you know, go do something and, and deal with this because, you know, you have to figure out how to deal with this. And so I actually wrote um, a blog post about it and I posted it on LinkedIn and people are like, I can't believe you would post that. Why would you post that? I'm like, because, and it was all about why I'm jealous of other people's success. And it was mm -hmm. funny because my, my friend then, you know, cause she's a consummate writer. She comes back and she goes, this is not jealousy. This is envy. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I miss, you know, lang language expert. But as you're talking, I'm thinking about the same thing is that, you know, that sense of, you know, why something is out of whack and how that makes you feel and how it has such a cascading effect until you stop it and say, okay, I better deal with this because if I don't, it's going to eat me alive. Yeah. And we, when we're not dealing with it so frequently, what we're doing is pointing the finger outward and yeah. saying, you make me stop feeling that way. And yeah. so in your case, you know, envy, envy is complicated when it comes to wanting what other people have, because now you can, there is somebody you can sort of pin that on. Yeah. As soon as we point it outward, we stop having to look inside and you just can't deal with the stuff. It's, yeah. and so it can fester. I've seen people fester for years and years and years. And it's not just that it destroys your relationship to other people. It destroys your relationship to yourself. Absolutely. You're never that, good enough if that's where you're caught. There's and no that's the amount. thing is, no I, you know, I am, I feel very fortunate that I only spent like, you know, 24 hours in this realm because when I finally came out of my mental fog, I said to myself, Oprah didn't start out as a billionaire. Yes. Oprah started out interviewing people that did better than she did on her little, you know, hardly known TV show. And then she learned from them and she created collaborations and she had, you know, relationships and that's how she built. And I'm like, if I am getting all these incredible people like you sent to me, yeah. what a gift. Let me ask you everything I can. Let me, right. you know, Soak it up. Let, me, let me dive into your brain. And what it's done is now I have a, these incredible collaborations and I have these great connections and I've got people sending me opportunities that I never had before because I finally got out of my, I feel bad because I don't have what you have and got into my, all right, what are you going to do with it? This is a right. gift. Go for it. Do it. And you are naming it. When we, when we move out of the, the deeply compacted feelings of jealousy and envy, when we move into looking at all the stuff that's actually going on, the feelings, and we, and we regulate ourselves a little bit, that lets us now move into collaboration. Whether that's with our partner, that's with a business partner, whether that's with all of the collaborators that we could possibly have in the business world, which it just opens up so much space. And yeah. fire needs oxygen. You got to open up the space. If you really want your career to be on fire, you want your relationship to be so hot that nobody can touch it. Oh, you yeah. got to give it some space to breathe. You cannot stay in that like squished down that jealousy mm. so often is. 
I love that. And I imagine that there's people listening that are like, okay, I totally see this. So maybe, you know, there's lots of these pieces in my life that I know are a little out of whack. So, you know, I know we're kind of running out of time, but you know, when, when somebody, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, I think I might want to work with her, what kind of, you know, when people first reach out to you and they're like, well, you know, I heard you on this podcast and I think I want to learn more. What are those, you know, first things that are, you know, that maybe are holding them back, but also say, okay, I'm ready to move forward. What's that point with somebody when you're like, oh, I know they're ready to work on this. Yeah. Whatever this is. Whatever this is. It's usually that it's typical that people come with that log jam. There's just like a a log jam of problems and they're, they feel like they have to solve all of them. So Uh what I do is I move us into a space of, you know what, we're going to pop a log out. I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter which one it really doesn't. We're going to work on that one. So what's loudest right now in your life? We're going to work on that. And if they can agree to that, like I'm going to pop a log out and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to do that work from my side of the street. I'm going to, I'm going to start addressing how I show up in whatever this problem is. We're not going to problem solve it from a, how do, who do I need to hire? Who do I need to, what do I need to change? Do I, we're not even going to worry about whether you need to leave a partner or not. That's, that's too big a question to start with. So I know somebody's ready to do the work when they say, I'm ready to look inside because I'm going to just repeat this otherwise. And I don't want to mm. do that. I, I know yeah. I'm just going to repeat this story. And so we, we can start from there. It, once you get to that spot, uh, the whole world is your opportunity after that. And yeah. you never know exactly where the work's going to lead. Sometimes people start thinking that they're really doing deep relationship work. And it turns out it completely affects all these other aspects, their relationship to their parents, their business, how they show up in their communities. Sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes it, they show up and they're like, I cannot deal with my partners at business. I can like, I cannot, and I want out. And, yeah. and we start working on those relationships and they find out, oh, I haven't been showing up at home in 20 years. It's, uh, yeah. you know, we don't know. So I, I'm really focused on that. Let's just figure out where we can, what's noisy and where we can start. Yeah. Doing the work. I love it. I love it. Uh, we are going to have all of your information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, cause they're like, you know what? I think this is my person. What's the best way for them to reach you? Finding me at my website. That's joliehamilton.com. J-O-L-I. Hamilton, just like the musical, nice and easy. Um, you can connect with me there. You can even book a strategy call from there and just hop on the phone with me and see if I'm the right fit for you. Excellent. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? You know what I have? We are in a whole new world. And I hope that everybody right now is seeing we survived together through so much and I hope everybody listening knows that it's okay to still be grieving what was lost over this past year and that the lessons that have been learned, they like, they are there. I'm seeing people pick up their their lessons and really make enormous change that might've taken decades otherwise. So I hope everybody can just take a moment today and think about how much acceleration happened in this year while it was painful and challenging it also offered us an opportunity to dig into issues that as, a, as individuals, as communities, we've needed to look at for so long. So let's keep looking. Mm, I love it. Dr. Julie Hamilton, thank you so much for being my guest. This was absolutely fantastic and perfectly timed. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com. 
including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and Sales Mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.